my boss came into the office that I was working at and put down on the table a picture of a superhero costume. You know, with like the the fake muscles and the helmet and the cape and all this stuff. Not she fake was, muscles in your case, though, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. They had the, yeah, <laughs> these are the real muscles in this case for sure. But uh, you know, she she put it down. She's like, "Guess what you're going to be doing?" Oh, and this, this is yeah. like post college, so this is you know an internship sort of introductory role. So I, uh, <laughs> so I was, you know, I was uh, offered certain opportunities that others mm-hmm. maybe didn't necessarily want. Either way, something really cool, and I quickly jumped at it. Always been my personality. Be like, yep, I'll go for it. I'll see what happens. And so what I did, you know, put on this suit, and I went into the hospital, into the children's hospital, into hospital rooms, like giving kids the dab, you know, and just talking to them for a minute, and they just seeing them light up and just having anybody, especially somebody wearing, you know, a superhero outfit and a little cape. They were they were digging it, and so just the way that that made me feel, I was like, well, okay, I think. I think I can start going down a path of something that's going to improve people's lives. You know, that was a job right out of school, and it was great for about a year and a half until my boss at the time kind of came in and was like, okay, you got <laughs> I think you need to look for another job that's not just like a postgraduate yeah, internship. You got to give the suit back. You gotta- <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, you stop, stop wearing we the see, suit. We see you, you're wearing it every day. <laughs> stop wearing around. the suit every day to work. Thank you for tuning into the 30th episode of the eltoro.com podcast. I am David Stadler here with my hosts, Chris McConnell and Jeremy Ficklin. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We've had a, a little bit of a break here uh, over the course of the past couple of weeks, and uh, we are back in action getting our podcast boots on. So uh, we're very happy to be here today. We're very happy to have a very special guest. Um, I've had the opportunity to converse with Ben Smock a, a couple of times here over the course of the past couple of weeks, and I, I very rarely come across folks that are more passionate uh, with respect to the business that they are that they are affiliated with and the businesses that they're helping grow. Um, And we always like to share success stories like this with our listeners. So we're very pleased that you could come today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So... Ben Smock is a Louisville, Kentucky native. As Director of Development for Canopy, the nonprofit organization making Kentucky first in good business, he leads by integrating social consciousness with organizational success. And he is committed to a compassionate and thoughtful approach to the statewide economic development of our fair state. Uh, So Ben holds an MBA from the University of Louisville and a Bachelor's of Science in Business Management from the University of Kentucky. We won't hold that against you. Dual citizenship. <laughs> so, so Ben has a litany of experience in the nonprofit sector, uh, specifically with years of experience with the Norton Hospital Foundation, Metro United Way, and now Canopy. Now, Ben is also a graduate of Leadership Louisville's Ignite Louisville program. Um, you know, he's worked alongside with the Kentucky Refugee Ministries to win that Ignite Louisville challenge. Um, ben is proud to be a Louisvillian, and he is very proud to make big things happen here in our community. And I got to say, you've kind of been uh, making quite a significant buzz here over the past few weeks. So we're very pleased that you could free up some time and come on. Well, I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to know that the the buzz is out there. That's what we're trying for. <laughs> well, and it, it's also cool because you know, and we've talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got a couple of folks that work here now that came from. They've actually got degrees that specialize in sustainability, um, and you have been so gracious to help mentor some of those folks when you have the extra time, and and that's something that you know, you can't you can't 
teach a lot of the expertise that you have had the opportunity to procure. So thanks, homie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my pleasure, honestly. It's, yeah, bringing people along and especially some of the smart people like the, uh, you know, Abigail and some folks that I've talked to here. Like, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a dream come true to be able to talk with smart up-and-comers about it. There's your shout-out, Abigail Griggs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, time listener, I'm sure. Uh, quick question. I, I was just curious what Louisville's Ignite program is. So uh, Leadership Louisville offers programs here in the city uh, that focus on professional development and also have tenants to the nonprofit community. So Ignite Louisville is one of their programs that's focused on young professionals. So helping you gain the skills and work alongside a nonprofit organization for seven months. And so you have monthly trainings where you're learning different aspects of improving yourself, whether it's you know uh, self-promotion and talking about your skills, you know, being able to understand and navigating difficult conversations, you know, joining a new team, you know, all these things that are just beneficial just in life, really. But at the same time, you are working alongside a nonprofit on a major project throughout the course. So you're with a team and you go to these classes and you work alongside the nonprofit to make some big things happen for them. And so ours with Kentucky Refugee Ministries was in 2016. So it was amidst the global refugee crisis and you know, we were fortunate enough to work alongside a really impactful organization here locally. And so we helped them that, you know, it initially started with improving their, like, logistics floor plan in their warehouse, which was crazy. They had a lot of stuff. They take a lot of donations. People are very generous. But they also had, you know, 1980s fax machines in there and things that they didn't need. So we helped them, you know, figure well, out that sometimes I got to send the fax, though, you know. <laughs> you know, fax, yeah, fax has been around for a long time, you know, <laughs> earlier than we think. But, um so we helped them do that, and we did a bunch of other things that led to sustainable resources for them and just a really cool cause. So, like, throughout that program, I learned a lot about myself, professionally speaking, to work with a diverse team and to work with a new organization that I still am involved with to this day. So it was awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And, a, and like, a mentor uh, status? Yeah, now? yeah. I, uh, I haven't done it in a while, but I would teach – uh, resume and job prep classes to newly resettled immigrants and refugees, you know, which was cool. And so, you know, help out at volunteer events and stuff like that, too. So they sure. do really cool work. Fantastic. We see a lot of resumes. There's a lot of work that could be done out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Talk to Ben Smock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so full disclosure for all of our listeners out there, um, we've been drinking. <laughs> and uh, our bourbon of the day, you know, I was emailing back and forth with Ben, and I, what's your favorite bourbon? And and usually, you know, somebody kind of reaches into the 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 recesses of their mind and they try to pull something out. But yours was almost instantaneous, and I loved it because it's it's one of my favorites. It's one of our most popular here at the office uh, today. We are drinking. Old Forester 86 Proof, the blue label, baby. Um, and we've done some Old Forester uh, tastings in the past. We've done the 1920. I think we've done the Bottled and Bond, which, of course, is the 100 Proof iteration of Old Forester um, in the event that some of our listeners don't know what Bottled and Bond means. Uh, but today, this is um, the little brother uh, or little sister of, uh, you know, I don't want to sound insensitive to anybody's gender biases here. So, uh, Z's, whatever it is. Um, uh, this is the Old Forester 86 proof, and this is one of our staples here in the office. At any given time, you'll probably see a handful of cases about um, any kind of bourbon that we drink here. And you'll probably, listeners, you'll probably notice a, a bit of a theme with respect to this. If it's more corn forward, 
I generally like it more than any other booze out there. So uh, the mash bill for Old Forester is 72% corn, so it's right up my alley. 18% rye and 10% malted barley. So these are the stats that I really enjoy and appreciate in bourbons that don't release mash bills. I mean, I got a problem with that. I want to I want to peek behind uh peek behind the curtain just a little bit and try to better understand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So some aficionados might say that this is a bargain basement bourbon. Uh or there some drinkers might say this is a bargain basement bourbon, but I've known so many aficionados to be, you know, drawn to this flavor profile that I don't have a problem drinking it on a day-over-day basis, and I don't have a problem making it as our, you know, most common pour here at the office. Um, so I'd probably consider it more of a mass-market crown jewel to the bourbon industry than anything else. And ooh, the Glock of bourbons. <laughs> That's, not bad. That's yeah. a good one, Jeremy. <laughs> this is this will get the job done for sure. Um, so this is mass-produced by Brown Foreman. Um, so, and they've been doing this stuff since pre-prohibition time and couldn't be more thankful to the Brown family, which is, they're kind of like royalty here in Louisville. If you ain't from the area, you might not have really, you know, paid much note to Brown Foreman in its existence, but, um, I guess they're like the Kennedys of Kentucky to an extent. I mean, they own half the damn town, all the restaurants here and they have a sandwich named after them. They do. They do. Hot Brown, isn't that named after their I, hotel, I bl- which is named after them? There you go. Oh, there you go. I did. See? I thought it was named after. Never mind. I won't say. I was going to say a joke about a daughter of the Brown family. <laughs> uh, just cut that way. off. Yeah, yeah. Cut that off right there. All right. So let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and talk to this before we kind of fall down the rabbit hole. <laughs> um, let's talk about the nose here. Uh, when I take a sniff of this, is that what they, that's what the aficionados call it, right? You sniff it. Yeah. Um, I get a little bit of dried fruit. I get some sweetness in there. Um, you can, I, I, in, in some bourbons, you can tell that it's not of a particularly significant age. This is one of those. So you got to kind of get past the nose of that mash bill and the nose of that alcohol coming off of it. And I think it kind of opens up quite a bit after you've had a couple of sips, or maybe that's just what I tell myself after <laughs> I take a couple of sips. Uh, but I smell that dried fruit. I smell a little bit of sweetness. I don't know whether it's molasses or caramel or, or what. I, 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 you kind of have to, to – like if you look at a flavor wheel and a scent wheel and all that kind of stuff, it's like I'd have to sniff this stuff on a day-over-day basis to get a good feel for it. But I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a freaking jar of molasses. So, um, so yeah, I get a little bit of those notes. Um, one of the reasons why I do like this is because it tastes like it smells. Um, you know, this is something that, for the most part, I get those same notes as it distributes across my tongue. I get a little bit of oak and a little bit of leather in addition to that. But, you know, uh, this this process is as suggestive as it is objective. So, honest bourbon. It is. They advertised that it was continuously sold during... Prohibition. Nice, nice. I like that. Yeah. So I'll slow them down. <laughs> in there, yeah. Yeah. So finish here, guys. Let's 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 get it. anybody's take on the finish. Somebody give me something here. It is a little sweet. You give it that Kentucky chew, and I know what you're saying. I was gonna say caramel. You call it caramel. Ooh. 
I don't know what's the right term. That's a whole different conversation. Caramel, 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 yeah, tomato, tomato. You know, you're a caramel guy. I'm a caramel guy. I'm also an either and neither guy. Interesting. Not either or neither. Are you process or process? Process. I'm processed. Oh. Interesting. No, we're learning right now. Gosh, yeah. I feel like what I does don't that even mean? know you. you know, yeah. Capulets what? and Montagues over here. <laughs> what does this mean? schedule, <laughs> well, No, that'll never happen. I'm going to start whipping. Start Can't trust Whip. people who say schedule. Yeah. Nope. Much. So what I like about the finish here, it doesn't linger about on the palate. You ain't going to burp it up an hour later. And that, I, I dig that. You know, I, I drink it and I'm done. Um, so this maintains a little bit of that initial heat, likely due to... You know, the youth of the bourbon, there is no age statement associated with this. They blend a bunch of barrels together, so uh, you get what you get, and it's very, very, very consistent. But a lot of that heat might be due to a bit of that rye popping out in the finish of this. Maybe it's spice and not heat. Um, but it, it it coats nicely on the way down. It doesn't burn when, you, when you're done with it. So I'd highly recommend going out and buying a bottle of Old Forester, 86 proof. Now, we are not sponsored by Brown Foreman. Yeah, but we could be. <laughs> so old Johnny Brown out there, you just uh, let me know if you're looking to sponsor mm-hmm. any of these shows. We could use some branded tumblers or uh, <laughs> right. free booze or, you know, really anything you got, bro. That's so. right. Yeah. Bring that hot brown down here, man. All right. Let <laughs> me start. I'm on a diet. <laughs> So we can't. You, you're not going to eat a hot brown. Let's stop talking about hot browns. Okay. All right. All right. We'll talk about this later. Let's let's dig in a little bit on who Ben Smock is, and then, I, I, you know, I'd like for you to kind of delve into a little bit about what you're doing these days with Canopy. Um, but it, you know, you you've had, as we mentioned earlier, a ton of experience with NPOs, uh, nonprofit organizations. So. What drew you into that sector, and what kept you there? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a good question. You know, I uh, will be honest and say that I just kind of fell into it. I graduated with an undergraduate, undergraduate degree and just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was, you know, entering the real world and didn't know what direction I wanted to go in, and I saw friends getting jobs at places they hated, and I was like, well, this is not, this is not something that I want to go into, and Fortunately, a family friend was uh, running the show over at the Norton Hospital Foundation and the Children's Hospital Foundation. And so there was an opening there to kind of get my feet wet with philanthropy. And so I started working on that team, really focused on events that benefited the hospitals, which was great. You know, we were raising money for a wonderful cause. You know, these hospitals really impact a lot of people's lives in the Louisville community and surrounding, you know, regionally. Um, So it was really meaningful to me to do meaningful work, right? And so it was one day uh, when this all kind of clicked for me. My boss came into the office that I was working at and put down on the table a picture of a superhero costume, you know, with like the the fake muscles and the helmet and the cape and all this stuff. Not she fake was, muscles in your case, though, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. They had the, yeah, this, these are the real muscles in this case for sure. But uh, you know, she she put it down. She's like, "Guess what you're going to be doing?" And this this is like yeah. post college, so this is you know an internship sort of introductory role. So I, uh, <laughs> so I was, you know, I was uh, offered certain opportunities that others mm. maybe didn't necessarily want. But um, you know, it was. <laughs> Either way, something really cool, and I quickly jumped at it, always been my personality, be like, yep, I'll go for it, I'll see what happens. 
And so what I did, you know, put on this suit and I went into the hospital, into the children's hospital, into hospital rooms, like giving kids the dap, you know, and just talking to them for a minute and they just seeing them light up and just having anybody, especially somebody wearing, you know, a superhero outfit and a little cape. They were they were digging it. And so just the way that that made me feel, I was like, well, okay, I think I think I can start going down a path of something that's going to improve people's lives. You know, and so that's that's how I got started into it. That's kind of what my initial fondness of it was and how it began. And then, you know, that was a job right out of school and it was great for about a year and a half until my boss at the time kind of came in and was like, "Okay, you got <laughs> I think you need to look for another job that's not just like a postgraduate yeah. internship. You got to give the suit back. You got Yeah, yeah, basically stop <laughs> stop wearing we the see, suit. We see you you're wearing it every day. <laughs> stop wearing the suit every day to work. Yeah, it was right. it was intense. I would even go to to grade schools. They had uh, like get active initiatives in the grade schools, and I would like go in there and like jump around with YMCA people. It was crazy, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of a, a team player, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is what it keeps you young. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You know, good thing there was a face mask to the thing too, so nobody could see my face, which was great. Uh, yeah. um, and so, you know, from there, I got a really cool opportunity at Metro United Way. And so, United Ways are all across the globe, and here in Louisville, have been really committed to some of the most complex social challenges that we continue to see in Louisville and Southern Indiana. And so this was a really cool evolution for me to understand, you know, how from like a business perspective, the nonprofit sector can work, you know, to to solve some of these issues in partnership with for-profit companies and, you know, with governmental institutions and just like really making some amazing things happen. So I started working at United Way on the development team and just learning as as I went, you know, just understanding some of the, you know, the root causes to really complex challenges that continue to persist every single year. And so from there, it, you know, is is eye opening and also, you know, uh, uh, very like difficult to to think about at the same time. It's like these are so such embedded issues. It's very difficult to find solutions. And, and to, to really catalyze the, the solutions that you, that you need to, to make a good impact. And so I was at United Way for several years, raising money, forming partnerships, bringing people onto our board, doing cool things to get people involved. I'm a connector, you know, getting people involved with nonprofit organizations. And from there, you know, I went back to school because I saw, you know, the, the passion in me of like, well, I, I want to do this. I want to make a positive impact in my community and for people's lives. And I really want to allow myself to continue to go up that ladder and to eventually lead something one day. So I went back to school and got my MBA just for that purpose so that I could, you know, not see that, that roof approach and to, and to really make sure that I had the tools for myself to, to continue to grow and to be, you know, in leadership positions and, and organizations that are making tremendous impact locally and, and nationally, really. Um, and so I was at United Way for, for six years, just about. And um, it was in the spring of my last year that I started working with Scott Columns and Facilities Management Services. And Scott's company is a janitorial service company and the, the first janitorial service B Corp in the world. And the second B Corp that ever uh, that was in Kentucky. And so I started working with Scott to establish a program for the janitorial service workers at FMS that would provide 
free tax prep services and financial literacy courses to folks that wanted them. You know, so you know, when you're a janitor, you don't make the big bucks, and so when you can uh, have a company that provides opportunities for economic mobility while you're working there, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. So I met Scott doing that, and he was talking about this cool nonprofit that he was starting called Canopy. And, you know, I was intrigued, obviously. I was like, ooh, business and philanthropy, same thing. Cool, I love it. So I started attending the meetings, started learning about what the, the mission was and the vision for Kentucky. And then I uh, started working there in February of this year, you know. So it's, uh, it's been a whirlwind. Very cool. So, I mean, when we first met, you, you kind of, um, I guess, translated a lot of sustainable business practices yeah. into – that concept of a B Corporation. And I had known of organizations that were environmentally friendly and quote-unquote sustainable, but I had never heard that term B Corp before. Mm -hmm. So you very much opened my eyes um, to the tasks a business looking to classify itself as sustainable has to achieve. Can you kind of inform, you know, the listeners as to what that process looks like and the type of hurdles that people like Scott had to go through just to get his company classified as such. So B Corp is a uh, certification that is run through the nonprofit organization called B Lab. It's a global nonprofit organization that certifies socially and environmentally conscious businesses across the globe. So you think of Patagonia, you know, Ben and Jerry's major companies that are are doing big things for for the planet and for the communities in which they operate. And so it's like the, the gold standard. Everybody across the world, you know, and, and business really, you know, like understands what that means. Now, in the states, there are uh, pieces of legislation called public benefit corporation legislation that is state by state that companies, if, if your state has passed this legislation, your company can legally form as a PBC, just like you would an LLC or an S Corp. And it offers protection for owners if they want to pursue an environmental or social mission, basically that it's a a triple bottom line business. They're not only focused on financials, but they're focused on social and environmental as well. And the the B Corp model is super rigorous. It's a 200-point assessment that you have to score an 80 on at least, and it's costly. You know, the the annual fee ranges from $500 to $25,000. It's a sliding Jeez. scale based on revenue, but, you know, difficult financially speaking. Yeah. So for Scott's company, it was, it was a hefty yeah. chunk that he had to, to pay to, sure. to become a B Corp. And it takes a lot of time. You know, for, for his company, it took about a year or so to, to go through the whole process with members of his team on like a weekly basis. And they ended up reporting a 360-some-odd page response to B Lab to be considered for certification. And they got it, but it cost, you know, lots of money. It took them over a year to do it. And, you know, it was just something that not many companies can do. Is is some of that to discourage um, abuse of that categorization? Uh, What do you mean? Well, I I could imagine without being terribly familiar with it – companies wanting that kind of designation for certain benefits that don't really coincide with the purpose of a B Corp. So I I can see them putting up impedances like that to just filter out the people that are taking advantage of it. You're right. You're right. And because it is so rigorous, you do not get businesses that aren't totally committed. And so 
the B Corp model and that assessment is is formed so that it really addresses your external impact, what you do for the world, internal culture, you know, all of the practices that are important for, you know, not just, you know, what you project outwardly, but how you operate, you know, as an organization, how your team works. So it is, you know, a, a barrier to entry for sure. But at the same time, you don't want to deter businesses and people from doing good in the world. You know, there, there is a reason to have the, the gold standard. But there, you know, are also opportunities to provide ways in which you can uplift people that are intuitively doing good and help them intentionally measure it and still, you know, make a, a great impact in the world without the, the B Corp certification, you know, the, the rigor of it. And that was the genesis of Canopy, you know, is that the B Corp model is super rigorous, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money. And the PBC legislation, as it's written in Kentucky, doesn't have too much accountability after you become a PBC. You rewrite governing documents to say, hey, I'm a public benefit corporation, I stand for this. And that's basically it. You know, there's no real teeth to it after that. You don't have to, you know, adhere to certain Mm -hmm. standards every year. Mm -hmm. So it's great. It is cool because you can say that you're a PBC and doing great things. So there's a, there was an opportunity for the middle, and especially in Kentucky, when uh, State Representative Jerry Miller was traveling around the state with Scott Collins to pass the PBC legislation, because FMS was a B Corp. You know, Scott's realizing that most of Kentucky businesses are small and mid-sized companies. They don't have the resources, both human and financial, to go through this process. So, like, how can we create something that's attainable yet meaningful, that is going to uplift? business owners and, you know, businesses that do well and do good in this state, and then ultimately to change the narrative on Kentucky as a state. You know, we're 45th in long-term fiscal stability and 49th in mental health and 48th in this. And it's like, let's let's pivot. Let's pivot this <laughs> narrative a little bit. Let's yeah. leverage the resources that exist in the for-profit world to solving some of those challenges. That's the idea behind it. And so when we say our, our vision of making Kentucky first in good business, that's what we mean, is that when you think of a strong ecosystem that is, you know, just a, a place where you need to be, if you're a socially conscious business owner, if you're a college student that wants to attend a university that has a focus on social entrepreneurialism, or if you're just, you know, looking for a job, want to relocate that this is where you come because you recognize that the ecosystem here is supportive of community and environment is the goal behind it. Wow. That's awesome, man. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. Uh, and it sounds like, too, from what you're describing, so the legislation you guys pushed, does it almost make it easier for businesses when they're starting off to go the route of uh, PBS? So, so PBC. It, PBC, I'm yeah. sorry, PBC. Yeah. Um, or is it easier for a company to go through you guys and convert, essentially? So uh, that's a good question. And there's, it's, it's easy to do both. And so, like, what we, what we want to do, what we want to encourage is the, the intentionality with which you operate your business. And so if you're a PBC, then great. We want to, to bring you through the Canopy Certified Program because it will be like a Kentucky Proud seal of approval. And you'll benefit from you know, just being hyper-focused on Kentucky, you'll be recognized in the state and people will pay attention to you and you'll be recognized for, you know, giving back and and making a a positive impact. So the idea for both PBC and for Canopy Certified is to be inclusive, right? And so it's, it's all about bringing people in 
And with our program, you know, where the PBC ends, you know, when you rewrite governing documents to say that you're a PBC, that's it. Canopy kind of takes over that, and it's a, it's a maturity model. So what we want to help companies do is gain sophistication with their social and environmental programming that's woven within their business model, both externally and internally. So as they go through the process with us every year, that we're helping them figure out exactly how to be hyper-focused on the social impact that they want to have, on the environmental impact that they want to have, or both. So basically, you coach them. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that's basically that's basically what we're going to do. And so you know, it starts the, the whole idea started with uh, kind of pivoting existing business models to go through this process. You know, taking uh, somebody that's already operating and help them become intentional. Everybody's doing it intuitively. You know, you get back here and there. You have year-end drives, and you you know give back when you can. And, sure. Uh, but it's all about measuring it. And so when you can measure it, when you can measure the number of canopy certified companies, when you can measure the impact that they have as it pertains to education or, you know, fiscal stability or, you know, anything, homelessness, right, then you can take those and you can lift it up and you can start to advocate for tax incentives, procurement benefits and things like that that make it a very attractive ecosystem here in the state. So, you know, the, the goal is to, is to coach along the way and to make it really easy. You know, and that's the beauty of this is it's not uh, something that's overly intellectual. And it's not something that's unattainable, right? The, that's like where a lot of the B Corp language has been lost and conscious capitalism has been lost and that it's, you know, so up here that only those of a high intellect can understand what it means. And that's not true at all. It's like we want to help people do what they're already doing and measure it so that they can benefit even more. You know, that's the, that's the whole thought behind it. You're just helping them calibrate. Yeah, exactly. You're basically helping translate common sense good practice yeah. into the legalese that one might need to become a fancy B Corp. Exactly, exactly. And at the same time, when they're going through this process, you know, we are acknowledging that to become a B Corp, you align with one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. There's 14 of them. And so at the same time when they're going through this process, if it's a larger company and they want to become a B Corp, they're already like on this platform to do that. You know, it's like if you want to go pursue the gold standard, awesome. More B Corps in Kentucky is good for all of us, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if Scott's company had had the benefit of an organization like Canopy. Yeah. Do you think that that could have drastically reduced his the amount of time and effort needed to get into like a B Corp status? And I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire on this one, but it's like, how long do you think it would have taken uh, to help them get that status with an organization like Canopy uh, behind them? Well, the good news is, is you know, basically, and we're we're building the Canopy Certified Program now, but. The way that we're building it, you know, something as simple as a letter of intent is going to allow you to become Canopy certified because, again, we're inclusive. We want, you know, we want commitments. There will for sure be commitments and strong language that companies are signing on to because it cannot be something that people leverage just for a marketing technique to benefit from and not actually make an impact. Sure. But also we want them, you know, we're, we're trustworthy and we trust. You know, we want honest companies to participate with us because we're honest ourselves. And so, you know, the the goal with that is to, you know, just really create something that is meaningful yet attainable. 
and a good example. And um, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there, although he did say in the meeting that we could um, say this publicly. Nate Morris, who is the CEO of Rubicon Global, which is one yeah. of the largest B Corps in the world, uh, Scott and I met with him in Atlanta a few weeks ago. You know, he's from Kentucky, loves what we're doing. And he said, had there been the canopy certification in Kentucky when he was starting Rubicon, he might not have moved to Atlanta yeah. to start his business. Yeah, and I mean, he, this is a, a list of organizations that we hear about that, I mean, he created a multi-billion dollar organization and felt he had to move to Atlanta to get yeah. it done. So. Yeah, for funding, and that, you know, that's it's all parts to it. You know, you, you go where where there are pockets of this sort of movement. Um, yeah. I'm still hung up on how we're 49th in mental health. That explains so much yeah. <laughs> about me. So about me. About myself. We, about me. Right. We, had a, we had a really cool event in, in May, and uh, it was Mayor Fisher was moderating a conversation with Thupten Jimpa, who is the primary English translator for the Dalai Lama. And uh, we had Leah Weiss, who is a leading instructor in the socially conscious business movement, teaches at Stanford. And we had Joe DeLoss, who runs Hot Chicken Takeover in Ohio, which is what I'm going to talk about. And then Amanda Bates, who mm. is the executive director of Wild Accelerator here locally. Uh, and Wild's doing an amazing thing. We just started a partnership with them, so they're awesome. Um, but Joe DeLoss, his company, you know, they, it's a hot chicken restaurant. And he primarily employs uh, those that are, you know, in need of supportive second chance employment opportunities. And so... You know, just like a really cool way to uplift uh, a certain population that is in need of gainful employment, that is in need of uh, services offered by nonprofit organizations. And if you have both of those things, the likelihood that you fall back into the vicious cycle is reduced. You know, so that that sort of model is is replicable. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, uh, does just my own curiosity bring up hot chicken? Maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. But... <laughs> yeah, we've been talking. Sorry, <laughs> man. Keep bringing up good food. <laughs> does that extend all the way down, like to the chicken? I mean, like uh, I, I suppose a uh, humane keeping of the chicken. Ooh. You know, you know what I'm saying. That's a really good question. I do not know to to the level of detail what you know how they're sourcing their chicken and if it's responsibly sourced and all that stuff. Yeah, and I, just, I didn't know if that's, that's if that's how far you guys. Uh, you know, stem down the down, down the line in a business, um, but I guess that's you know product so specific. That, that's a good that's a good point. And so as we build the the canopy certified program, and as we're like you know helping understand what companies do and how we can help move them forward, we look through the lenses of leadership, who runs their company, uh, culture, you know how they're operating internally, how much different the pay scale is from like average worker to CEO stuff like that, uh, what sort of programs they offer their employees, whether socially or environmentally. Uh, then uh, practices and governance. So, what are your you know governing documents and how do you operate? And then uh, external impact. What do you do good for the world? So that's that's a piece of it. Yeah. Like understanding. Yeah, if somebody's doing something real shady up front. Right. You know, that's we'll look at that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. They're not KFC swinging chickens by the neck around out back or something. Yeah. You know. And the, but also too, you know, <laughs> an important an important part to the the program is um, is corrective action. You know, if we can help companies become better, we don't want to just, like, not consider somebody because they're doing something sure. not, you know, that's not ideal. Well, they might maybe, not know. Exactly. They might not know, and maybe we can help them figure it out in a better way. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
I'm killing chickens the same way my great grandmama <laughs> killed chickens. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Turns out, uh, not not very uh, not very PC these days. <laughs> so, what do you what do you what do you believe are some of the catalyzing forces spurring the sustainable business movement? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think people are more and more thinking this way. I think uh, the growing population and the workforce, uh, millennials, Gen Z are demanding it, both in terms of who they work for and who they buy from. So, you know, given the choice of of choosing a place to go buy a cup of coffee from, if it's, you know, a coffee shop that uh, responsibly sources and does really cool things for the environment, then I'm going there 10 times out of 10 compared to the coffee shop that doesn't. Thank you, Synergos. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> market speaks. Mm-hmm. Market speaks, that's right. So the, benefiting whatever. from conscious consumerism, essentially, is, is the whole idea behind it. And the people, the people that are working in these organizations are the future. When you have something like that, a truly intrinsic value that will draw people to your company to work for you and to do amazing things, that's the key. You know, when you have the next generation of college students that are learning about this and thinking in this way, those are going to be those that change the world and do and take this to the next level. So people are demanding it, and it's just the right thing to do. It's interesting you you bring that up, too, because I was just reading something earlier today about uh, the shoe companies and how there's, God, what was it, roughly 23 billion shoes are made every year annually, and some 400 or 300 million are thrown back out, yeah. and it takes roughly... 40 years or so for shoes to decompose or whatnot, um, and companies that are growing in, uh, in sustainability and creating more sustainable products out of recycled material and whatnot. Like all birds and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, that being said, does Canopy plan to have um, a scope or a, a scale growing outside of the state, or is yours focus uh, mostly uh, here at first at least? So initially, we are focused on Kentucky. And the idea is because the PBC legislation is state by state, we have the benefit of having that legislation passed in Kentucky, which is awesome, but also recognizing the the social and environmental challenges that continue in the state, that we want to take this as an opportunity to really change that narrative and to focus resources on addressing those challenges more in, in a more sophisticated way than we ever have before. Now... We totally understand that this will create a replicable model in other states. When you have, you know, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, California, whatever the the, the challenges are, Hoosiers. you can. Yeah, they, they, right. they need some help. Huh? Yeah, you can. You can take. You can take the. You can take like the the commitment to the state, right? I mean, Kentucky is a real committed state, right? I mean, I'm an example. Like, I'm from here, and and I'm so committed to the state. I love it here. It's beautiful, Damn you know. Right. But I but I don't always agree with the the narrative that is spoken about it. It's always <sighs> negative. People ask me why I have shoes on. Yeah, all they the ask time. Ask me like all what you know. He's got it, nice shoes yeah. on for the <laughs> record. Nice. I mean, Very nice this guy, shoes. This yes. guy's positively like cosmopolitan. Shoes. <laughs> yes. But like, so so the goal first is to is to focus on Kentucky. If we can make our state a premier state for socially conscious businesses, for social entrepreneurs, and for socially minded college students and high school students, it's a beautiful thing, you know. And then we don't want to we don't want to hide it. We want to spread it out to the world. But we're focused here first, Lovely. Kentucky first. Lovely. Well, and one, I, I, I was reading another article um, a, a week or so ago, and Forbes had come out talking about sustainable business and a lot of the 
ancillary growth that we're seeing in association with that. And, you know, you've mentioned a couple of things throughout this, but uh, in technology specifically, I mean, the growth and use of sensors for companies that can use them to help uh, help proliferate their sustainability measures. I, I mean, that's expected to be an over $3 billion industry by like 2025, uh, which in my opinion is, or in my thought process, just looking at something that's worth $3 billion by that time frame is phenomenal. And that's not something that I would have ever even considered, yeah. you know, five years ago. And I mean, you know, hopefully we can get little uh, methane sensors on the butts of every beef cattle out yeah. there and just see which ones need to go first. Make <laughs> <laughs> those tasty steaks from Dave Stadler. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really qualifier. interesting. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to a, one of our board members. Uh, Larry Horn <laughs> is, uh, is over at uh, Roth River and they have a uh, sensor that can detect when bourbon is reaching maturity. It's like inside the, the bourbon barrel. So shout out Larry Horn, Canopy board member. Oh. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. And I'm, I'm assuming that would probably help significantly with respect to waste. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. think about like volume in a barrel and the, the weight that's specifically on a certain aspect of the sensor. And, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, I'm a total novice as, 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 uh, as it pertains to his business, but uh, it sounds good. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You said Larry Horn, right? Larry Horn. Larry, I mean, what's his business is called? Roth River. I mean, Roth that's River. a Kentucky business if I've ever heard yeah. one. You know? I love it, that's man. Cool. Larry that's Horn. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm still hung up trying to imagine what a methane sensor attached to a cow would look like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't worry about it. Don't as long as people are buying the sensors, it doesn't matter. And I'm helping, I'm helping reduce the level of methane gas released into the environment. Oh, Come no. on, Jeremy. This is humorous. This is great. <laughs> I mean, if you could see what I'm envisioning. And I'm and I'm not just I'm not just dedicated to a specific species. What about pigs? What about me? What about you, Can Jeremy? You with me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna edit that out. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, well, very cool. So, what about next steps? What's Canopy into yeah. next? So there there are a lot of exciting things happening with Canopy. Uh, just last Thursday, we announced our partnership with Wild Accelerator, which is the accelerator program that uh, has been focused on uplifting female entrepreneurs here in Louisville. And so, you know, yeah, really providing all the resources that female entrepreneurs need to take their idea and become successful in, in whatever industry they're in. And we just announced our partnership on Thursday that will start in 2020. The next cohort will be focused on not just females, but all underestimated entrepreneurs. And so this will be, you know, men, women, uh, LGBTQIA uh, entrepreneurs that are focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so Canopy is going to offer a curriculum to all participants in the accelerator program starting next year that will allow them to figure out a social or environmental component to their business as they start. So from the get-go, they become a social enterprise that then opens them up for additional funding opportunities that initially creates just a positive impact in the world and kind of just starts to create this, you know, entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Louisville that we can now take. And as we build the curriculum that we're using with Wild, we can take that throughout the state and replicate that with other accelerator programs and create a really strong entrepreneurial sector here in the state that's that's hyper-focused. Is WILD an acronym? Uh, no, no, I don't, uh, I don't believe so, although I could be wrong. Um, I don't know the genesis of that name. It's a good question. Huh. But, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's it been... Like it would be. I would say so. It uh, might be. 
I, I don't know for sure. And it's they're in their second season, so they just announced their six entrepreneurs that have just been accepted. And so it's a really cool program. Yeah, so they're, they're doing big things over there. Amanda Bates is uh, leading the way, and so she's partnering with us to, to really build it up. Very cool. And I love to hear the, the push of – I know we've worked with legislation in the past and getting something nationwide. It sounds like PBC would be a, a huge push to get everywhere. You know, yeah. It's only going to improve. Yeah. I, I hope other states do follow uh, great companies like yourselves, uh, you know, leading footsteps. Kentucky was the 31st state to pass the PBC legislation, which is good. We're not in the bottom 10 of that. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's like – 49th. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we, we continue to do things this way and make strides. And, you know, there there has not been another, you know, statewide effort to, you know, lift up from the grassroots of, you know, bringing businesses in and bringing consumers in to build what we know will be most beneficial for the state of Kentucky, for business owners, for consumers, and just for the population overall. So it's it's exciting times. We can we can be the leader. Let's do it. Kentucky Very first. Cool. I'm in. So how does state-level PCB legislation dovetail with federal B Corp nonprofit status? So B Corp isn't a federal legislation. It is a nonprofit organization that's global. So they're they're like totally, totally uh, different from from any sort of legislation. It's it's recognized. If you think of LEED, you know, it's like the the gold standard, LEED certified platinum, right, of like if your building is – you know, built with the the utmost environmental sustainability components to it. That's what B Corp is essentially. It's so it's not like another category like five hundred one c three. Correct. No, oh, it's I'm it's for sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's for for profit businesses that want to you know shout to the world, become uh, very evident to conscious consumers that they stand for a social okay. and or environmental good. So it'd be it'd be similar to something like Sigma Six or something like that. Maybe okay. I misunderstood. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, heck, I mean, Ben, we so appreciate your time with us today and kind of sharing with our listeners what Canopy is doing. If anyone has any questions with respect to, you know, what Canopy does, I, I mean, you can, I mean, I can give them the URL, but I mean, do you have any other parting words for them? I do, I do. So first and foremost, you know, we are. Uh, a growing nonprofit organization. So you can check out our website, canopyky.org. Uh, you can learn about what we're doing. You can meet staff members. You can donate. You know, I will say we are a 501c3 and we are a growing 501c3. So, you know, uh, no money, no mission. We are, we're trying to raise enough money to sustain our efforts for several years to make sure that we can make Kentucky first in good business. We do have several events coming up. Uh, one is a general meeting on August 30th at Story Louisville, which is featuring Sarah Day Evans, who's doing amazing work in Appalachia in a very conscious and environmentally friendly sort of way. And uh, we're also participating in Give for Good this year. So for all donors that participate in Give for Good, we're going to have a living room concert series at the old Rudyard Kipling. Hey. Featuring oh, some. Man. Cool. Yeah. I played there. It's a great yeah. place, man. Yeah. 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 So uh, local artists. musicians. All right. There. All right. I so I, I can't give any spoilers. Some local artists are going to be playing there. Some big names. We're going to have some spoken word, some music, some food. It's going to be a cool celebratory event. We're going to uplift what we're doing. And uh, we are also creating our own podcast series at Canopy to tell the story of good business, right? To talk about what we're talking about here and to uplift, you know, people that are doing it, uh, doing it intentionally and, and making, a, making a big impact in the world. So stay tuned for that.
CanopyKY.org. Man, I, I hope you are heavily involved in that because, my friend, you have a voice for radio. <laughs> I have a face for radio. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> what are you talking about, Jeremy? We're all athletes here. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to somebody like you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably yeah. doing like, true good out there in the world. Exactly. And, like, you're you're a, a staple of the state, and Thank you. Thank you for what you do. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate El Toro for putting on the podcast and reaching you guys and down and, and talking with me. So You're here. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Let's make Kentucky first. That's right. There you go. All right. And cut. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the El Toro podcast. Your host has been David Stadler with co-hosts Chris McConnell and Jeremy Ficklin. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to drop us a line and let us know your thoughts. We will see you next time.